Hello, it's Liam from the Thoth Witchcraft Shop and I'm here to give you a public apology. I took part on Paranormal TV, an interview called Crystal Bitches with Chris, and I was rather unkind to, at best, beginner witches, not to mention, wow, they're not really witches, are they? Beginner witches that like to collect shiny things, such as crystals. In it, I did state that they were contributing a lot towards the death of poor innocent children, namely one called Jade. I do apologise for this, and although what I said is 100% accurate, I know you people that like to collect crystals don't like the thought of a fragment of some poor little girl called Jade's soul in your crystals when you're buying them. I know that that might contribute towards buyer's guilt and that you really don't want to feel guilty when you're buying that shiny new thing to add to a little box full of other shiny new things. So I do apologise for bringing that up. That was on the episode Crystals Bitches, which was supposed to be called Crystal Bitches, but someone cocked up the title, on the Fasty Witches show on Keep On Chatting Paranormal TV. Again, I do apologise for offending you people that like to contribute towards Jade's demise as the crystal mine collapsed on her head. And I know that all of you people that collect the crystals and are waving them about know an awful lot more about magic than what I know. So, now I've given my public apology, let's crack on with the episode of the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast. Hello and welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast with Liam and Chris. Today we're talking about the allure of a magical objects, what they can do, how you do make them, and why no one's bothering to make any decent ones these days, from what it seems. So, Chris, what do you think about the magical objects what do you mean? that are on the market these days? Every, you can't go on Instagram without seeing a new necklace and earrings that match. Are, are they are they magical? Do you think <laughs> they're? Uh, do you think if you took that that crystal that's setting it off, you'd find a bunch of graveyard dirt and stuff behind, like on Lady Poison's jewelry? <laughs> you'd find that on these ins- no. these Instagram and Etsy shops. I doubt no. it. I doubt it myself. But you know. They, okay. I think that's the image they are trying to sell, aren't they? Yes, you do know a point there, I think. The aesthetic. Witchcraft these days is all about the aesthetic and the image. Yeah, yeah. We're all trying to sell an image. I got my leather jacket on because I've been doing the paranormal stuff. Because <laughs> you need to have a dark leather jacket or at least just wear some black if you're doing the paranormal Definitely. stuff. Definitely. When are we know, getting monogram t-shirts? When we get in Fausty Witches t-shirts. Fausty Witches. This isn't the Fausty Witches. I know it's not. We're not supposed to talk about. But you've already that. done your public apology, so you know we're going. To, we're going to mention it because it's on the beginning of this episode yes. for them. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Isn't that what yeah. they say? Is that what the kids That's say? That's what the big orange sorry, man says. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, not sorry. Big orange man. 
Okay, so magical objects, like from back in the day, because you look at all the mythology and that, and all the gods and goddesses, and all the heroes and stuff. Excalibur. They all got these magical objects. Yeah, the, by the power of Grayskull <laughs> and all that crap. Modern mythology. That's modern mythology for you. Is that Thundercats? No, that's He-Man. Or is that something else? That's, that's He-Man, He -Man. right, okay. Bloody right. Liam. Which is the Excalibur, then? Excalibur. Excalibur. Excalibur is Arthur. 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 You should know that. How long did you Arthur. spend working with him last year? Well, this is true. I mean, the sword in the stone, it didn't have a name. It was just, I was told, there's the sword in the stone, you've got to pull it out. <laughs> I was like, right, okay. Yeah. And it, 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 you know, that sword in that stone don't look the same for everyone either. But... It's all, all, all good swords have to have a name, remember? They have to have a name. They do say that, yeah. don't they? They do say that. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, magical objects. So, are we talking haunted objects and the like today? Or are we talking other stuff? No, I think we're talking about magical objects that have real power. As opposed to going to make a few things float. What, you mean that the... You mean that when I watched that Deadly Possessions TV show with the Americans on it, that they got all haunted by dolls and by cabinets that cursed them and that? You mean they're not real powerful objects? No. But they're, they've been on television. I don't care. They've, they've killed the people. Yeah, but... No? So, what would you class as a powerful so, object? So do the occasional cow falling on somebody kills somebody. I don't think, I don't think that makes the cow a magical object. What makes the magical object a magical object? Or, proper... or what makes it a powerful magical object? Well, one that can last beyond the maker is, is for me, what makes a powerful object a not powerful object. But all of these haunted things, they, you know, their makers have died like back in the 1900s and that. Yeah. So they're still around. But it's not it's not the power of it that keeps it going, is it? It's the spirit that they left attached that's slowly wearing off and eating people. Well, I thought it was the marketing company that works with uh, the most haunted TV show or the ghost hunters <laughs> or that. I thought they keep it going. And they're using some sort of vestigial magic where attention goes, energy flows and all that. Yeah. Do you think these people that are making these uh, museums and stuff where they get a, a paranormal TV show and then they put all this tat in a museum and then they charge for admission, do you think that they put all this tat on the TV programmes because it's entertaining or do you think that they start putting objects on there because they think I know a little bit about magic if I give it a story and make people believe that story then things will start to manifest do you think they know that much I'm not sure they do not? <laughs> no I'm not gonna lie but they've just got to go on they've just got to go on the Thoth TV YouTube channel to find that stuff out surely they know that <laughs> but I don't I mean I'd like to think of I'd like to think that one of the 10 subscribers we have <laughs> is a paranormal person <laughs> from a TV show or something. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe. But no, I think I think for me are where the works have been crafted on purpose for great works. So I don't think they should necessarily be. I don't think a haunted doll is what I would consider a great work, would you? 
Well, I don't know. I think it depends on how haunted the doll is. I think if I was to make a haunted doll and I put some effort and it, in, it... that'd be a masterpiece. <laughs> I think that haunted doll would do some creepy ass stuff. I have to say, if it's if it's. <laughs> I suppose if it's pulling people into other dimensions and whatever, then yes, I probably would. But I don't think it would be quite as cool as, you know, the Jumanji set we want to make. Yeah, the Jumanji game. Okay, we'll talk about that on the Patreon. We're going to make a real life Jumanji game, which produces a paranormal stuff and makes it happen. But we'll talk about that on the Patreon. Because, you know... We can't give all that stuff away for free, can we? Yeah. We've got to talk about the mundane stuff, like all of the magical objects that you can go and find in the Witchcraft Museum and stuff, before we talk about all of the secret stuff that you don't see on display. So, okay. Yeah, well, so well let's start there. We're doing a little... What, start that? there. I was going to talk about our little theories we got oh, coming. Oh, do that first. For the YouTubes, Yeah. Because we got to plug our shit, Chris. We yeah, yeah, our okay. shit, I keep, right? keep forgetting we to do, do that. We do enough of that. we got to do that. Yeah. Right. So we're going to do this a little YouTube series because we've been talking a lot about the paranormal investigation with real life paranormal investigators. And you know they are real life because they got matching t-shirts yep. that tell you that they're paranormal investigators. So it's proper legit stuff. And we found that a lot of the paranormal investigators in their investigations of a paranormal nature are coming across the magically haunted objects and they're getting scared and running away. And they're in, they've, they've hit a kind of block in their investigation. They turn up, some at Dappen, they don't know why it is and can't explain it and can't understand why it is or how it happened or why <laughs> or any of that stuff. So now are we as being asked on paranormal TV and such, on the Facebook, if we can explain a few how things. This, how it so happened. what we're going to do in this new, yeah, in this new little series, we're going to take some magical objects and we're going to teach you how to make them at home. It's going to be very art attack. Yeah, art attack. Make. Remember that? Yeah, but, but yeah. you're going to be the, um, you're going to be the head. I'll be the head. <laughs> 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 to be fair, you do look a little bit like the head. If we shaved all your hair off. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> that used to creep me out. I tell you what, that head, I was scared to death of it when I was a kid. When I used to, when my nan used to put Art Attack on, as soon as that head used to come on, I used to scream and she'd have to come in and sit and watch it with me. Because I was too scared to watch it. There was something about that head that I was scared to death of as a kid. A bit like when you watch that film with the, the weird, like... Darth Maul type. Oh, Insidious. Insidious. Yeah, that so proper that, freaks that me of, out. That that kind of that freaked you out for like it a did week, a whole week, it? and it was only like three three seconds of the whole movie. Three seconds of the whole movie. Um, and yeah, I was freaked out for weeks. I was seeing his face so, yeah, everywhere. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for our investigations of a paranormal nature into the. Uh, uh, what is it called? Disassembling of magical objects and the teaching you of how you can make your own magical objects. Yes. Okay. So we got to crack on with the proper podcast now and talk about like magical objects and okay. the allure of magical objects. So it's mal and malice. Where does that come from? Well, where did we take? Uh, Sabrina. Yeah. We stole it from Sabrina. from the new, the new like version. Like a lot of episodes. Like, uh, yeah, Chilling Adventures. Like a lot of the podcast episodes, we stole it from pop culture. Yeah, because it makes us clickable, innit? 
Um, right. So, no. What I was going to ask you was, um, what kind of objects is are in the uh, witchcraft museum that you would actually class as magical objects? Because obviously, lot there are lots of objects with magic. <laughs> Nothing from the Wiccan department downstairs. <laughs> None of Gerald Gardner's crap. None of Alexander's is crap. None of the Wiccan stuff. You go in and there's a nice little waxwork of an old cunning lady yeah. and then a bunch of like board games and stuff to pad out the space, you know, pop culture stuff. No one cares about that, let's be fair. You're just looking at that in the cabinet when you're queuing to buy your tickets. But it's there anyway because they can't <laughs> fill up the space. Then you go upstairs into the big room and that's where all the proper magic stuff is. And then on the way out, you go downstairs, and there's like a modern witchcraft of the 20th century, and it's all this wicked crap. They've got the poster yeah. and painted a bit of wood, basically, <laughs> and a bunch of swords that aren't sharp. And we know how I feel about it. Yeah, we don't like weapons. blunt weapons. And then in the area where you go out, you've got like a steamy kind of little rock pool kind of thing. Yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> it's like a little shrine yeah, yeah. that was obviously there. It was obviously some sort of leak that happened <laughs> a couple of years ago. And they thought, I'll make a feature make of, a that. Pool out of that. <laughs> we'll make a feature out of that. Yeah. And then you go out yeah. into exit through the gift shop, as Banksy would say. No, no, definitely. But there's, uh, yeah. but what in there would you actually class as an actual magical object? Because I wouldn't, you know, there are lots of amulets and all that kind of shit. I probably wouldn't count any of those. You've got all the ceremonial parts of the uh, regalia for the Golden Dawn, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, all that kind of stuff. Wouldn't include Do that. You? Is there any of that in there? There was like, uh, there was all the staffs and stuff on the way out. Swords and stuff that you're talking yeah, that about. Was the Wiccan show. Yeah, there was there was some Golden Dawn stuff was there the as Wiccan well. Stuff was there Golden Dawn? No, there was um that was Rosicrucian. Oh, uh, sorry, I always get those two mixed up. Yeah, yeah, the Rosicrucians really like the poster paints. The Golden Dawns yeah. actually had enough money to make like actual sculptures and stuff. They had like the real gold stuff instead yeah. of like the the fake gold paint, you know. So. Um, so you kind of skip past all that kind of I stuff. Would... The only things I'd probably include is like the dunking stool. That's probably magical. <laughs> Which wasn't intended to be magical. You know, like the, you, you know <laughs> the what I mean? Magic. The accidental a, magical stuff. killer magic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I would class anything that was designed to have a magical um, operation or designed to be used for magical workings and retains that magic to be a magical object. Oh, okay. So I'd Your bar's a lot lower than mine. Skulls as, yeah, you can collect, because again, at the end of the day, that's what you're kind of expecting. You're kind of expecting that Divock box. Well, it's magical, isn't it? A scientist who's a Dawkins type in going to look at that and think, yeah, there's something a paranormal <laughs> going on there. It's just going to see it's a box. See a box. What makes it magical? Yeah. What makes it magical is the fact that it's got a things living in it, okay. forced to live in it. I take such. your point. So I'd say anything can magical. That bottle that you're drinking from, not very magical. The plastic bottle. Yeah, but it's now got Whereas, it's now got my DNA on the at the end. It's probably going to do something. Yeah, but again, that's not necessarily <laughs> magically created specifically for something, is it? If you pissed in that bottle and turned it into a witch bowl, that would be a magical object. Okay. Then. I'll but if it's like accidentally, it's got a little bit of uh, residual energy. I wouldn't have said that's really magical. I'd say that that's just a bit like a shit stain. Oh, rude. A magical, a magical shit, shit stain. stain. That needs gross. <laughs> okay. 
Not only did you lower the bar, you lowered the tone. Well done. I know. I think I might have to click. I might have to click the explicit tab as well for the end of this one. So remind me to do that. <laughs> okay. So if you're setting the bar that okay, then in that case we could talk about all sorts of things <laughs> on that front. Because on that front, it could be anybody that's enchanted a necklace, for example, to yeah. to get a job, Magic. or um, you know, or as um, enchanted a bracelet to make sure that keeps the little one safe when they go in to school and stuff like you could pretty much include anything why would you want to do that what so the pedophiles don't get them why would you want to do that Mm, i suppose protect them from the pedophiles isn't it i've never had kids luckily this is very true messaging and stuff Keep getting loads of the patrons messages and stuff. We've had two new patrons in the space of since this started. <laughs> do you think they want to listen to the... Do you think that we've somehow, from doing this episode, to cast out some sort of a magical uh, spider's web? Uh, you know, we've been tickling the spider's like web, that. have we? I don't know. We've been tickling the spider's web, like Paul says, and now we've got a load of patrons keep flock, flock, okay. flocking to the Patreon because they wanted to hear the extended edition of this very episode. I hope they're not disappointed. I do, I do hope they're not disappointed. <laughs> Can you stay on topic for once, please? I'm really sorry. Once you get the cat, <laughs> I will write out a card whereby it says Liam will stay on topic for one episode and mail you that card. <laughs> You're only allowed to use it once, though. Would you want to use that on this episode? No, probably not. Then the answer is no, I'm not going to stay on topic. Okay. You tell me when you want to use that card and I will damn right stay on topic okay. if it kills me. So I would say my bar's a little bit higher than that. Mine, my, I only get excited when you are crafting very special tools. So right. if you were, say, creating the regalia for a priestess in order to hold court... So, what, like a Wiccan priestess? If you made no, some horny no, for a priest no, and like some chalicey crap no. for the priestess? Well, that's a regalia for a priest or a priestess. So are you saying that a magical object's magical as long as it's not a Wiccan? Because I think that's going too far, Chris. Oh, I'll be, they'll be playing the... Well, I suppose they can't play the racism card, at least. Because uh, Wiccans are not a race. But, you know. Anyway, the... Yet. Yet. I hear there are breeding. Oh, there are breeding. Oh dear. Um, but yeah, so I'm thinking more of a case of in ancient times, the sorts of pieces that are buried right. with you because they have got too good a charge. Um, okay. Or the amulets that a broken clay pot. <laughs> no. <laughs> or the or, okay. or the um, you know death mask. And wrappings of a mummy. Like, you know what I mean? Right. So when they've been so, crafted um, for a specific so, purpose and a specific working. Yeah. So so, so, what are you saying? Are you saying that if I unbind a mummy and find all those pretty little am- uh, amulets in there, they're magical. But if I go down to the Witchcraft Museum and find some amulets carved out of clay from the 1700s, 1800s, that's not magical. Is that what you're saying? Because that sounds like that's what you're I saying. I kind of am. It seems to be a matter of time. More so. You have no appreciation for modern magic, <laughs> do you? 
Anything past the anything past newer than the Romans, you have no appreciation for, do you? That's not strictly true. Answer that question. That is the question. Tell me right now if there's anything you can appreciate magically that is uh, newer than the Roman period. Yes, I I do quite like the Celts. They've got some gorgeous pieces going. Um. What I have a lack of appreciation for is anything crafted in the last 200 years. But that's that's not my fault. That's just because there are shit practitioners about crafting shit. You do realise that our listeners are <laughs> practitioners and some of them might do a crafting. I bet there is some little old lady sat, and sat listening to this and knitting because she mentioned something on her Alexa device <laughs> and we popped up. Oh, God. Yes, that does actually happen. That does actually happen. If you say, hey, Google, or Alexa, play No Holds Barred Witchcraft, it'll actually bloody play it. I know because I did it at Annie Beryl's and she was amazed that like I came on a talking about random things. Oh, bless her. I bet she I loved like, that. Annie Beryl, you know, you know, I've got my own radio show, don't you, Annie Beryl? She's like, what? I said, yeah, got my own radio show. She said, no, you am. I said, get Alexa to say this, <laughs> say this to Alexa. She's like, oh, bloody hell, and the Alexa. <laughs> I said, yeah, now don't ever listen to it and don't ever tell anyone in the family about it, okay? <laughs> They've been a blackmailing me ever since. I bet, I bet. Well, you got to have learned it from somebody, let's face it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're off topic again, however much I love Auntie Barrel. The... So, yeah, it's not... I don't know. I haven't seen any of these objects. Maybe it's because I'm not invited to the right parties. Maybe that's the fact. Maybe I've not been invited to the right parties where they've got the really cool amulets and regalia, but I haven't seen them. Whereas I only need to be in kind of 200 yards of some of these ancient pieces and I can feel in the energy that is radiating off them. That is the difference. I don't need to get me detector okay. out i don't need to get me my metal detector out or whatever like i own one but you know i don't need to get a metal detector out to go and find them because those sorts of things have such a residual energy thousands of years after they were created for you to go and find them okay so uh have you received the little haunted ouija board yet from a certain someone no i've got to go collect that right so that's going to technically be classed by me as a magical object. If if it's a Ouija board that's just a plain Ouija board that's got no charge or anything, then it's just a board, a board at the end of the day. But this one apparently has uh, something attached to it, which to me, that makes it a magical object now. Okay. Because there's a magic afoot. Okay. So would you class that as a magical object or not? And if you don't, what was it? What is it now? I would say that was a haunted it's not object. The plastic bottle you were drinking out. Uh, but is not haunting's magic? No, because haunting suggests that oh. there is something uh, spirity attached into it, so that it's sticking around a particular object. To me, that's haunted. Right. Okay. Because I I I can understand if you're looking at it from an umbrella terminology kind of perspective that magic's kind of an umbrella term and the hornet would go under that umbrella, mm. much like I feel like you're coming the 
from the position like my dad comes from. And I said, you do all this uh, magic. And he's like, no, we pray. I said, yeah, evocation. <laughs> and he's like, no, it's prayer. <laughs> I said, it's a magic. You're a magic. I said to Jesus, he did the magic. He said, no, Jesus did the miracles. I said, it's all magic. Richard Dawkins says it's magic, so it's a magic, okay? <laughs> From an atheist perspective, it's all magic. Yeah. Mountains don't exist. Jesus don't exist. And the miracles are a magic. So are you saying that's not true? Are you saying that we put a hard line between a haunting and a magic? And why do you do that? I'm only making because it's not right or wrong. I'm only making that dis- right I'm making wrong, that distinction it? based on the fact of whether or not it's crafted in a way that was designed for it to have a specific charge. So to me, that would be a magical object. A haunted object mm. would be one where something has attached to said object, and therefore, so you know, this particular item, although it's designed when it's been used for its um, uses that it is designed for it's you know a magical object but this one is a haunted object because it okay, happens so when it's not being like used i think so okay sentient so if it's got a sentient spirit or something that's attached to it then it's a haunted object which is correct i would just say that that also falls under the magical kind of thing which i'm because the magic's a which i'm not saying is a wrong i'm just saying that when I think about them, my brain separates them, even though that's probably not the definition. Right, okay. Okay. So, um, okay. So, in terms of the magical objects and stuff like that, then, what was the last magical object that you saw or, you know, worked with or was around? Well, are we going by my definition or yours? Well, you can go by either definition, but I'm asking you, so I'm presuming it's going to come from your definition. My definition would probably be something museum-y. So we're probably when I was last in Greece and saw uh, supposedly Agamemnon's death mask. Like, that sort of piece. Right. Okay, so what was that designed to do? What vibe did you get from it in terms of what? It would be used for and stuff as it was a um it was a transitional piece so it was to make sure he got to where he was planning to go okay so is it like one of those uh the advert for the car i thought for people that do wheelchairs and they go into the car in the wheelchair and then they can reverse out of the car in the wheelchair <laughs> One of those disabled adaptation vehicles is like yeah. that. So he's got his physical body and then he attaches this a mask on when he's a dying or after he's a dying. And then that's a, a like a vehicle. A vehicle for, for ascension. Yeah. Okay. So a vehicle for ascension. So if you was to go and design that, a vehicle for ascension, for an um, some king or queen or summer and let's assume that you want to let's not assume that we're going to come on to this when i wouldn't do that <laughs> oh why would i do that crap let's just assume when, that you're going to when do, do i it. ever do that let's just assume that you're going to do okay. it yeah what would you do in terms of what magical object would you craft would you do a death mask would you do something else what would you do I, and why? I quite like a death mask, I'm not going to lie. 
right. think it's a, a lost art form. Um, but a death mask it, it could, could be a great way to do it. Me being me, I could potentially do that with a shroud also. A shroud has the potential to mm. go and have that um, one because it's got that beautiful translucence to it that makes yeah. makes the cross in the veil a, a literal thing. And I quite like that. Um, so me, I'd probably have woven the perfect shroud. That's what I'd have thought that you'd do textiles. I I would have thought that uh, not to be predictable. Like mask, I always think <laughs> I think desk masks normally as plaster though, because of like the castings and that. But like death masks is in being made out of something like gold and that. Yeah, I can see that as well. But it feels like hard. It wouldn't feel like a, you know. And that's not the sort of crafts that you normally do, is it? You'd, no. I can imagine you doing shrouds and wrappings and stuff. Yeah. I, I think I'd probably do a, a plaster cast or something like that. That would be quite cool. Because at that point, you're mm. holding on to a visage that will melt away as the, bad, the body rots. So actually having a mm. physical cast of that person's face prior to when they're working yeah. away would be quite quite impressive. I think that would have a very a very different feel to it. Yeah, I'm not about to go and cast something in metal, but that's because it's not really my area of expertise. Not your medium of choice. No, not my medium of choice. But in a culture that was designed on paying through access, mm. gold would be a much more appropriate method, I would say. But it was the, the, the Saturnine energy coming through it. That transitional point was just fantastic. Hmm. Whether or not it was actually Agamemnon, so, I didn't touch or I wasn't able to touch and read yeah. it. But the question was like, you know, there was de clearly someone who had a lot of money paid for this death mask, so that was really quite cool. Okay, well, you've you've okay, so we're basically out of time now for the regular edition anyway. Um, so goodbye, everyone. But for the Patreons. Maybe you can answer this. What's the most powerful magical object that you've found? Because you've worked in a lot of museums and stuff. Is there anything which you just can't stand to be in the room with? Or it's just like, that's just too much. That's got a hell of a charge on it. Anything that really strikes me as, or strikes you as, wow, there's a lot of power there. Ooh. Well, there are certain things that... Or has it mainly been in a place? There are certain... Pl yeah. Really place, places places have been a bit more different. Um, but there's kind of residual energy you get with some of the carvings. Um, the only one that really kind of puts me in a place um, and attracts me to keep going back over and over again would be those bloody algae marbles I love to talk about um, and get all shitty about. Yeah. But that's mainly because... I don't know if it's because of their positions and how much effort was gone into putting them in the right place that mm. draws me back in. Whereas normally you see a piece in isolation, don't you? So you go into a gallery mm. and you just see a, a single piece. Um, and not specifically the Elgins, but there is a little gallery at, at the um, British Museum that I will try and see every time I go because it's not always open. Um, and that's a little, it's an inside continuous freeze that's put in its position. So that's how you would have approached it, going up the little stairs to see it in position. 
um, from a Temple of Apollo. And it is one of those, it is okay. the complete thing. So there's not a piece of it missing. It is complete. Um, and it's from the uh, Temple of Apollo at Basai. Um, and it's, and, and that, mo whenever I go up to do it, uh, go and see it, I can't help but be kind of fully enchanted by it. Like, um, okay. it just, it transports that's me to a space. Because that's, because obviously that's not on the land that it would have originally been. No, so but it is intact. From that has been transported with it, yeah. So whereas you don't normally see stuff like that, they take a piece or whatever, whereas this is a full piece. Obviously it's damaged, mm. um, but obviously when it was found and excavated, it was taken as a complete piece, which just never happens. Um, and I'd be, if I was the, you know, um, Greek government, that would be the one that I would be wanting to get back, not yeah. <laughs> not the Elgin Marvels. Like, a complete set would be far mm. more, yeah. So, so yeah, so I, I, there are the odd piece here and there that you see there's a residual energy to them, but I can't say really that I've ever, I don't know if you've ever seen the Staffordshire Horde that uh, gets about a bit, I think it's stored at Birmingham, it might be, but I'm I can't remember. I think it's Birmingham. Not from what I can think of now. So that is a, a collection of gold, you know, gold and encrusted kind of Celtic work, um, and that's that's quite impressive. But it doesn't have that residual energy of, um, mm. you know, like it's beautiful and it's great to look at, um, and it's awe-inspiring when you're looking at it. Some of the detail in the enamelling and all that kind of stuff in the um, the hilts and stuff like that but I don't feel the same energy as I do with that death mask I saw in 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 Greece um, in Athens yeah. so like in that moment that one piece out of that you know it was part of a whole collection of things that were found but the death mask had that real residual energy of transportation and transmutation going on yeah. with it and I don't think you really come across as many as that um, whereas spaces, sacred okay. spaces, are so different when you've gone into some of these co co temple complexes. And bearing in mind, half their actual statues that would have held the goddesses um, at, you know, at particular periods of the year are in other museums all over the world. But the space still has yeah, that. So they're not actually there. No. The sacred space. But, something still retains it. But something, the atmosphere, the atmosphere is still retained there. Um, and the amount of times that I've been, you know, transported back when I've gone to those sorts of spaces and seen it complete, regardless of the fact that half, yeah. you know, 90% of it is missing and it still holds that residual space um, is something quite special. Whereas, no, I, to answer your question, really... No, I haven't really seen many pieces that hold that, what I think of as that kind of mystical, magical energy of you pick that up and still use it for the thing it was used for. Mm. So what would be the reasons for creating a magical object for you? Because a lot of the time you would probably work a little bit more, maybe like I work, with in terms of what you do a, a work in 
do some sort of magical thing and is contained within one yeah. thing. It's not really something that you do unless you want to create something that's permanent to give to someone else. Yeah. It's... That's the only, like going back to mythology where a god or a goddess would give a hero or something a magical object to use. Would you make one for yourself or would it always just be to give to someone else? Um, I suppose I would have, I've only ever crafted things for other people. don't think I've ever really crafted anything for me. Um, I've purchased pieces that I've then changed their usage. Um, but I don't think I've ever really crafted anything for myself in that was magical. Mm. Um, in terms of purpose... So you're pendant shard? Yeah. Would you class that as magical? I suppose you could, by your definition. Is it has a magical use? Um, well, is that, you use it magically speaking, don't you? You don't use it because you like the look of it. You basically no. use it because... And somebody else could use that for that same effect. So, to me, yeah, mm. I guess it would then trans go beyond the user. Um, I think that was what I was trying to get at before is whether or not somebody else okay. could pick up the, the magical object and use it. Um, obviously, I, you know, I've designed certain pieces in the past, not in this lifetime, that have lo certain locks on them that would only allow the bloodline or whatever to actually use it. But the... Um, um, and I'm not talking about Excalibur. I didn't make that one. Like I said, not very good with the metal. Um... I'm not taking no credit for that. The, uh, but there is that kind of, <laughs> there is that kind of um, part about it that is kind of, what would you make them for? And to me, I think most magical objects are made to create a specific effect that you want every time it's used. So, yeah. you know, portals to other places, accesses to specific deities, those sorts of connection um, is to speed up the process of what well, it's on now, instant connection. At which point... A lot of magical weapons. Yeah. <laughs> Very often. So, or musical instruments. But how about your umbrella? Another popular Ella, one. Ella. My magical umbrella is something that I'm designing. Because I like the idea of a magical object. So... I'll talk about my umbrella, um, but I don't know, should we talk about Jumanji first? Yeah, let's let's talk about Jumanji first, because I think that's more relatable piece. Right, tell us about that then. Um, tell us about that. So I have a bit of an obsession with magical board games um, as a potential gnosis for teaching. And we keep talking about, you know, maybe we should go ahead and make a set of magical board games that would allow to teach different, not traditions, but, you know, particular pathways for forcing progression. So they create the... Principles of magic. Yeah, they create the perfect environment for you to fully understand and progress. So, is that the best way to put it? Yeah, so I think because we teach people magic, essentially, and witchcraft, it can be very difficult to teach people um, unless you're doing it one-to-one, -one, 
we yeah. get people quite far because we do it on a one-to-one -one basis. However, if you're doing it at a distance or you have no teacher, which is more the point, yeah. then you would have to rely on something else. And most people would rely on books these days. And as we know, books are generally crap and they don't teach you much. However, when we watched the film Jumanji, we see a board game that's clearly magic that, you know, you could, uh, we could talk about reasons and speculate as to why it was actually created and that. I don't think we really know the story behind Jumanji. You could probably Google it. There probably is a story, but at the end of the day, it creates a magical effect with the players that are locked into a contract until complete and they essentially get a haunted and the idea of the magical board game that we were going to create based on jumanji was if you had a witch or someone that wanted to learn magic the best way to teach them is to force them to use magic to fix situations. So the board game would be thus that it would look a bit like uh, Jumanji and you would place a counter on it or something that represents you a totem yeah. and it would be put inside the board game probably through some sort of secret compartment in the middle or something and as that is in there the board game will use your energy and the energy surrounding you in order to manifest things. So it will start to haunt you in your dreams. It will start to put obstacles in front of you and such. And there will be some kind of language that's hidden on the board that you have to solve. And little clues will be inlaid within the physical board of the Jumanji game, which will then start to come out in everyday life. Now, the difference that we had with this was that we were talking about making a series. Yeah. So we thought, well, the Hermetic principles, we could create a game called Hermetica, yeah. which is designed to that when you play the game, it will start to manifest lessons to you, little tasks and things that you need to do. But bound within in order hermetic, hermetic laws. But that will get, it was, yeah, that are bound within learning and balancing the Hermetic laws, essentially. There were other introductory ones, such as Hermes, where you would start to work with Hermes and find out what Hermes is about and what Hermes can do. Now, the real thing that we need to talk about is how you would go about creating one, though, because that's what people want to know. Um, so we, are, we do have a project on the go where we are starting to do that. We are going to create one, which will probably be a couple of them. Each one will be unique, but there'll be a series of them. So we're going to go ahead with Hermetica. I think we're going to do uh, Hermes as well, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. Um, the question we can't quite decide on is whether or not we're comfortable ethically with the idea of selling these. So it would be a kind of questing uh, setup, more likely. Yeah. That, you know... So we wouldn't be available through the, the witchcraft shop, but in 100 years' time, you might happen across an antiques dealer. Yeah. Which has got one. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know. But, okay, so there was two ways in, in which we could create this. Because at the end of the day, it needs to be a, uh, an object that's, that has a story and a journey that you need to go through. And it needs to be powerful enough to interfere with the protective measures you as a witch have. So there's two things that we need to do. Because we need to make it sentient, essentially. So what we could either do is create our own spirit. Yep. 
that we didn't have an egregore of some kind an egregore essentially or we could use the game as a basis for a contract and allow a spirit that has a contract obligation to to work through the board game yep. so for example the hermes one we would draw up a contract with hermes we would design the game with hermes yep. and hermes would decide what he wants to teach to what person or such and we use that game as a kind of gateway through that so you kind of got the two things you could either create it in the veins of a contract yep. that you work with the spirit for so there's an already a spirit basically haunting the board game yep but with the egregore thing you're talking about doing the whole thing from scratch yeah aren't you which means that you get more bespoke exactly what you want with the egregore route but at the same time if you've got a god with godlike power yep. then they are kind of open to it unless you do unless you do an ironclad contract that's very 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 specific um that god is essentially the uh, the games keeper i suppose yeah. when people are playing that board game um because another idea i had which i was talking to our uh, lady poison about was a uh, cursed objects teaching how yes we did talk work. about that to me i wanted to yeah, I wanted to create a series of curses. The first one would be purchasable, but what you would have to do is it would be a cursed object. You would get that cursed object, and that cursed object would affect you. But the only way to undo it is to understand how it works. Yep. And as soon as you undo it, you would then be sent another one, which you would have to reverse engineer and solve the puzzle of how it works and such and undo it and they would get progressively more and more and more difficult so it'd be kind of like when you see those um you know those old magazines issue one yeah you get the uh you know you get the wheels of the car issue two you get part of the chassis yeah, yeah. and all that kind of thing well each issue would be a magical object you would only be able to buy the first one publicly yeah and you would have to solve the first one in order to get the others because they would be increasingly more and more and more complicated and increasingly more and more and more nasty as well. Yeah. So that was another one. Again, that's designed for teaching. So like I say, when you I know, you've got these cursed objects. When I think of magical items People work better under pressure. They do. <laughs> they do. I'm just yeah, when I think of magical objects, I, I guess I often think of questing. And I think that's the that's why I struggle with the kind of more mundane magical items um that are used for specific access points whereas i think more of questing items or items that are designed in order to um enhance existing ability um and or you know magical weapons that's kind of where i kind of tend to think of so the sorts of items that were gifted to um, or discovered by demigods, you know, that kind of um, divine items that were crafted with the help of or by certain deities. Um, so, you know, you know, my obsession with the Apple of Discord, which I know we've touched before, but those kind of moments of kind of crystallising down an idea into a perfect object. And I think that kind of part for me is what fascinates me with that kind of work is that could you simplify and crystallize an idea down to creating a 
single object. And that, I think that's the part of it I really like. And why would you go to so much trouble to create that object as well? It's always a fascinating one. Why, the, why do you want that object to mm. do that specific thing? If you go, have to go so far out of your way to actually decide to make the thing, why would you make it? What's the story there? Well, you know, that's quite an interesting one. Sometimes, sometimes I think it's the acting on which of creating it that is the the challenge itself so with your with your magical umbrella for example like the crystallizing down mm. of the thought process to make an object that is capable of doing certain things um or enhances certain abilities would be a case of the the challenge of that itself and then handing it to somebody to test the, the theory of whether or not it's capable of doing that for any holder. I obviously like the more trickier parts of, you know, yes, it's capable of doing these things that has multiple levels. So hence why the magical games part that I love so much is that, OK, well, you have to reach a certain level point before you can kind of um, upgrade to the next next level available um, or level up as you would in a game, you know, into a game to the next part. We're like, okay, well, you've you've beat that baddie, now beat this one, and then beat that one, and then, okay, well, you now are the baddie, kill all these other people. Um, You know, I quite like the, the progression part, the questing that is there for people to improve their gifts. Like, I don't... I, you know, like, I think, and maybe it's just... Hence which, hence which for us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the whole point is designed to go, okay, we're at this level now. What's the the most interesting way we can get you to the next level and the next level? Because what's the point of something like witchcraft if all you're going to do is continue in your mundane life? I don't get it. Um, I think there are far too many... Um, far too many witches out there that fit into one of the two camps of they either spend all their time reading about these fantastic things but never try them mm. the armchair magicians or you have the kind of Wiccan camp of I just want to carry on living my normal life but with this extra whatever it is doing the same thing over you and know, over again essentially it becomes a practice of religion and of admiration yeah rather than being the scientist that wants to push the forefront of science you know the, the same reason i struggle with the word pagan because to me the word pagan me is passive it is observatory it is um you know watching the seasons change not necessarily being involved in helping make the spirit the this um the seasons change you know like the that's the difference yeah. for me where i kind of go i'm not comfortable with which uh, i'm comfortable with which i'm not comfortable with pagan and the main reason for that is i kind of see pagan as passive um whereas which says i'm gonna get i'm gonna roll up my sleeves and get my hands dirty and I'm going to keep going until I perfect this the way that I want it to be perfected. Obviously, that's not for everybody. But to me, that's the whole point of a craft is you're always learning new things and you're increasing your skill level 
and where possible sharing your skill like I think that's part you know the whole point of craftsmanship and guilds is that kind of part of passing on and sharing and sharing of ideas like you know I'm not very good with metalwork but I'd quite happily watch somebody else craft something in metal and go okay how could I do that in my craft and I think some people get stuck in their own channel for too long whereas actually if you observe what other people are doing and ask questions about what other people are achieving kind of okay well I wouldn't want to do that but it gives me a great idea to go and do this um and I think that's what I like about magical objects and the questing aspect is that pushing them to the next Mm. level because at any point they can tap out and go I don't want to go any further now but you know each quest has its own risk and I like that well that's from the perspective of the crafter of course but the user of the magical object would regard it as a tool because it makes their life easy which is what I was designing with the magical umbrella so for my magical umbrella I designed a magical umbrella which is going to be in production probably some point this year ready because with summer's coming so I'll try and get it ready for winter the idea behind that was I see a lot of people within the magical community copying objects from the past that they use within their craft such as the sword or the staff or all of that but it's not applicable to everyday life no you carried a sword back then because you would have used it you carry a staff because old you know or one of those blasting sticks the old woman nasty witch would would use because she needed to prop herself up because if she doesn't have that cane that walking nowhere (laughs) she uses that to blast people because she needs that as a crutch literally yeah you don't walk around with a staff if you don't need the staff to support your weight otherwise it's just playtime it's just kind of all these druids and that you know i don't like that so for me it was a case of okay so all these archetypal kind of um magical objects that get used to draw in redirect transmute and fire things magical energy and such what would be the modern day equivalent of that and i kind of decided upon the umbrella has a nice symbology for that because not only does it protect you from the rain we live in the uk i mean it rains a lot <laughs> in the sea you know, yeah. one minute it can be sunny the next minute is a raining and then it's a snowing and then it's a sunny again so it's yeah. a difficult so the, the idea of the umbrella, not only can you bring it around with you everywhere and not look like a weirdo. Preparedness. But also umbrellas can be shields, so it can shield and deflect energy, but also it can be almost like a, a satellite dish and transmute mm. and send out energy. You can also appoint it and blast people with it. Mm-hmm. So the idea that I had for the magical umbrella was to take this periodic table we talk about, all of the energies that are present in the universe, take the ones that people use every day and incorporate some kind of structure within that umbrella to hold those energies in a perfect balance yep so you could use that umbrella to draw those energies in to deflect them to balance them which has quite a lot of applications within magic so it's kind of like carrying around a swiss army knife which when it rings 
it stops your hair from getting wet and such, and you can carry it through the airport. Um, the one that I'm designing, of course, is actually being made, uh, the main part of it's being made by a Russian company that specializes in legal to carry weapons. Yeah. Because I figured if you need it as a little crutch, it needs to be strong. But at the same time, the people that used to carry the magical swords and that around used to use them in battle. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And I thought, well, if you've got an umbrella, you want it to be strong. Because I've, I've been through many umbrellas in my time that end up getting ripped about by the wind. But also, my umbrella, I'm assured, can kill someone by hitting them around the head. Because <laughs> it's made from some super, super plastic or something. <laughs> which some people won't like, because some people won't like the, the idea of me using a plastic. Modern materials. Instead of a wood or something. But I shall be using a plastic. It's going to have a little bit of interest in a not magic. If you listen to the Weaving Planets extended episode and we talk a bit about the triangles of planetary energy, that's going to have a bit of that in it. It's going to have some runes and stuff carved into it. But it'll all be things that I work with and that I draw in and use in general. The difference with this, of course, is I could then give this umbrella to someone else. Like it is essentially almost like Doctor Who's sonic screwdriver. Yeah. You say, well, turn it to this setting, and you're yeah. away. <laughs> so, yeah, my uh, magical umbrella sonic screwdriver yeah. type device is going to be a magical object. But it's also practical, because I'm not going to start carrying around a staff or no, something. Because it makes no sense. And I'm, I'm young the and modern... healthy. <laughs> So I don't need a cane or a walking yeah, stick. Yeah, the uh, modern modern utility item, the utilitarian item for the modern magician. Mm. And some things can be fun to use, and is one of those things that I think I can really imagine myself doing that. Yeah, I could wave my hand about and cause some disruption, but I mean, sometimes I'd rather point me umbrella or hit me umbrella against something or someone and deliver a little magical extra with that. So I thought, ah, that's quite fun. But there we go. We've got like two, three minutes left. So what do you want to talk about on the way out? <laughs> I, I think it's one of those things where it would be an interest, It would be interesting to hear what sorts of items they would come up with. Um, obviously, you can talk to us on the Patreon or wherever else you normally talk to us. Whatever, Witchcraft Live or, uh, or uh, No Holds Barred Witchcraft Group. But kind of... No Holds Barred Witchcraft secret facebook group if you've got ideas for a magical object or you have them or you're going to make one after listening to that then post the details on the we'd be love we'd love to know and i'm sure other people would. definitely you know it's just it's nice to hear what you're working on like that's the whole point of this community is to hear you talk about what you're a crafted whether it be for good or harm we you, you know we don't judge yeah well, we're not the only people that are making a haunted board game because our old lady Poison made a haunted yeah. board game, didn't she? She made uh, some kind of subverse. So maybe we should ask her about that when she comes on the podcast because I think she should be coming on the 50th episode, hopefully. Yeah, we're up. not that far away now. So we got lots to talk. We got loads to talk to her about poison, secret Welsh magical traditions, haunted board games. And a bunch of other magical objects, because she seems to be a bit of a magpie for some of these Definitely. magical objects. And I'm sure she could she could tell you a few stories. 
<laughs> the question would be whether or not she would actually do something with something modern or if she would because she's a bit of a, a recreationist isn't she she quite likes the well she uses a, a slow cooker for potions yeah making. i suppose what you want? She has got one of those proper blasting cans, yeah. because I've seen it in her workroom. Yeah. But there we go. So we are out of time for this week. Uh, so thank you and goodbye. Ta-ta for now.